Welcome to Authors on Tour Live, a weekly podcast for people who love to hear about books from the authors themselves. My name is Darren Fote, and today we are podcasting live from the Tattered Cover Bookstore, one of the premier independent bookstores in the nation, with three locations in the metro Denver area. You can visit www.authorsontourlive.com for a complete list of upcoming podcasts. Wait a minute, it's time to begin. Good evening, and welcome to the Tattered Cover Bookstore. I want to thank you all for being here tonight. It's our pleasure to welcome to the store Michelle Waugh this evening. Waugh is an accomplished jazz musician and composer. He's held a distinguished career with the Quebec government for over 26 years as Deputy Minister in Tourism, Deputy Minister of Communications, and the government's representative in Chicago. Currently, he is the chair of the Telefilm Canada and tonight he joins us to discuss and sign his new book, Patrick Waugh, Winning Nothing Else. Please join me in welcoming Michelle Waugh to the Tattered Cover. Good evening, everyone. My voice is a little bit broken. Uh, we had some celebrations last night. There was a hockey game at the Pepsi Center, and uh, there were uh, celebrations before the game. The... Uh, alumni, all-star team of the Avalanche, and uh, but there were also celebrations after the game, which, uh, which, uh, and as a result, uh, I had uh, quite a short, uh, short night of sleep. Uh, I, I didn't know I was to uh, address uh, you tonight, but uh, since uh, this is the case, uh, let's go with it. Um, <clears throat> and also, I also. Uh, uh, the son would probably have drawn more people than the father, uh, even if it had been a biography of the father. But uh, since it's a biography of the son, then I guess the father draw, draws the people that uh, are interested. Um, I will start by reading the first paragraph of my introductory Remarks in the book because I think that they're <clears throat> they're uh, uh, vital to this book. Uh, what I say there is that this story is not about hockey. It might sound surprising, but first and foremost, it is the human story of someone whose determination knows no bounds, someone who is willing to go beyond his own limits to be the best in the world at what he loves to do, someone who is willing to exceed his own limits to win. Uh, I, I think this paragraph is very important because <clears throat> it includes the very reason why I wrote this book. There are two basic reasons why I wrote the book. The first one is a personal one. Uh, my father was a novelist, a journalist, so I was born uh, in an environment of uh, typewriting going on with a cigar on the, the, the side of his mouth uh, that he would chew more than he would smoke. And uh, so I've I've grown up with, in this environment, and uh, writing for me is... Uh, something that I cherish, something that is very important, and something that I love. Now, uh, the second reason is that, the, and this is the fundamental reason why I thought that this, the story of Patrick should, have, should be written, <clears throat> it's because when Patrick was a seven-year-old kid, 
growing up, seven, eight year old, eight years old. He was just an ordinary kid, just like the other kids. Uh, he was not particularly physically gifted. He was average height, below average weight. He was skinny, skinny kid, not too strong. And just by looking at him, no one would have guessed that he would have been, would have become a professional athlete later on in his life. Uh, really. So, but he had, he had a passion to win at anything that he did. Uh, he, he had a determination beyond reason to succeed in whatever he would undertake. And it is this passion and this determination <clears throat> that allowed him to succeed the way he has succeeded. Uh, and I thought that if he did it, if he succeeded the way he did succeed, this could be a good example or, or a good model for any other kid that has a dream of becoming whatever he wants to become. Uh, a politician, uh, an artist, a, a sports person, uh, a business person, uh, a bookseller, or whatever. <clears throat> uh, I think it, I think the book is very encouraging for any kid that has a dream, and it shows the kid that through determination, through passion, he can succeed at whatever he wants to undertake. So this is really the the reason, the basic reason uh, that that motivated me <clears throat> to write the book. Uh, what should I talk about? <clears throat> what would you like to hear me talk about? <laughs> Okay, uh, <clears throat> it took me two years to write the book, uh, from 2005 to 2007, the original version of the book. Uh, and then it took one year to translate it into English, 2008. But, <clears throat> yeah, my, my mother tongue is French. I wrote it, in, I, I, I wouldn't have tried to write it in English, uh, really. My English is not what I would like it to be, but uh, I wrote it in French. Um, it took two years. Uh, I would say that there is about... Uh, the research is very thorough in the book. Uh, there, there is at least four to five hours of research for one hour of uh, writing. And uh, the reason why I think that the book is still up to date today is that this is the story of biography of Patrick Roy, the goaltender. It's not Patrick Roy, what, what he has become later, and uh, the coach and so on. It is the story of Patrick Roy, the goaltender. <clears throat> and, and the goaltender, uh, the, the, the goaltender's career ended in 2003 when he retired and when his jersey was, uh, was, uh, retired. Uh, so it's still up to date because that story has not changed. It, it is still the same. Yes, sir. I, I wonder often about that transition that these wonderful athletes, with all the attention and adulation, that transition that may happen when they 
in the case of Patrick, uh, <clears throat> I can I can only speak about Patrick's, uh, but it might be the same for other athletes. It was very difficult. It's a uh, it's an emotional transition. It's it's a psychological transition. They've they've and especially for a goaltender, you know. I, I was reading a magazine one day <clears throat> on the plane that said that there are three positions in sports that are the most stressful positions. The uh, uh, how do you say that? The uh, a field goal. Uh, uh, a punter in, in football because he comes into a game when uh, the score might be tied and he has a, a 37 yard field goal to achieve and uh, win or defeat depends on his foot and there are millions of people looking at him and, and so he's under tremendous stress <clears throat> the other one is the relief pitcher in baseball uh, he comes in in the ninth inning, perhaps. There are two men on bases. The score is tied, and, and uh, the issue of the game depends on his ability to be able to to, to, to win. Uh, and the third one was the goaltender. But the difference between the goaltender and all these people is that the goaltender is there for 60 minutes. He's there for the whole game. Uh, when the uh, the relief pitcher and the, uh, the, the field goal punter in football are there for just a few few minutes if you wish so it's it's an amazingly stressful position it's very intense and uh, <clears throat> patrick's career was so intense that once he retired he he had he had to consult he, he had some psychological uh, he would suffer from suffer from uh, let me gather my thoughts here uh, I, I'm, I'm speaking very candidly. It's not something that I that I have prepared, <clears throat> but he um, he suffered from uh, uh, angoisse, uh, anxiety. He had anxiety. He couldn't he couldn't take take a plane. He 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 would also suffer from claustrophobia uh, for quite a while, and and he had to be treated for that. And that was all a result of uh, of. Uh, the intensity of his career and it stops it doesn't stop slowly it it stops all of a sudden very suddenly <clears throat> he's there and the following day he's no longer there and and uh, all his activity all his uh, emotions are, are 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 gone so it's very very difficult indeed it's it's a good question you're right to, to very to, to ask this question. And for a goaltender, uh, <clears throat> I, I was talking about the goaltender's role in the team earlier. Uh, what is the, the only reason why a goaltender can uh, focus, uh, can succeed, is if he can focus for the whole game, the 60 minutes of the game. Uh, and, uh, this is one thing that, uh, Patrick always had. Even when he was seven years old, uh, he could really, uh, he had this ability to be in the moment, uh, which is not the case for all athletes. You have athletes that are <clears throat> very, very good, the best in the world, maybe, 
But when the time comes to perform under pressure for the Olympics, for instance, or the finals, so they, they, they underperform because for some reason the, the nerves take over and they cannot chase the thoughts away from their mind and they cannot be in the moment. <clears throat> and you have others for whom it is the contrary. They can be reasonably reasonably good during the regular season but when the time comes for the playoffs uh, you remember Mr. October in 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 uh, in baseball uh the, these these people have the ability to uh upgrade their level of play uh, when it is when they are under pressure and though to be able to do that they need to be able and it has to be natural for them they need to be able to to be in the moment. You know, when you're a goaltender and there's a, there's a player coming towards you with the puck and he, uh, if, if you start thinking what's going to happen if he scores, uh, what will my coach say if I allow the goal? What, how will the crowd react uh, to this? He's going to score. <laughs> you know, best way. Uh, so, uh, and it's easy to say for us, you know, it's easy, but, some players can do that. And, and Patrick was always like that. From the time he was a, a child, uh, I remember I used to give him advices. Uh, and I would say to him, now you need to focus on <laughs> what you need to do. Uh, and it's easy to say, but he was, he was able to do that, just that. And, and this is probably the main reason, uh, on top of his, uh, strong determination and passion, uh, why he has succeeded so, so well. Uh, what else? Does, oh, does this book go beyond then his retirement? Uh, yes, uh, I have. Uh, it goes beyond. Uh, I, I, I've updated the book a little bit for this uh, present uh, version of the book. Uh, the uh, Jersey retirement ceremonies for both the Avalanche and the Mon Montreal Canadiens is there, are there. <clears throat> Patrick was also inducted in the Hall of Fame, uh, and I speak about that as well. And uh, <clears throat> like I said, I, I've added at the request of the uh, publisher, uh, the Chicago publisher, Triumph Books, I've added uh, an introduction, three and a half, three, four pages of introduction, uh, which uh, sort of uh, brings uh, Patrick's uh, career to where it is today, actually. But f for the remainder in the book, like I said, it's a story of, uh, of the, uh, the goaltender. So uh, this has not changed. Um, one challenge that I had... <clears throat> I don't know about here, but in, in, in Canada, in Quebec in particular, it's, uh, it's the women that read books, not the men. The men need, the men read the sports pages. <laughs> uh, this is a challenge that I had when I wrote the book as well, because I said, who, uh, I will more, women buy the book than men and uh, so uh i had at the time uh a uh, my wa a wife uh unfortunately that has passed away 4 years ago and she didn't know anything about hockey and she was my first reader you know uh, as soon as i would write a chapter i i would i would give it to her and and 
ask her to read it and, and make her comments and so on. So I can honestly say that uh, as much as I could, this book has been written for women. Uh, and, and, uh, but there was a little bit of Aki too at the same time. <clears throat> and like I said in, in the introductory remarks, uh, uh, it's a human story of some, someone who went beyond his own limits. It could have happened in any other field of activity but because uh, Patrick was a goaltender well the stage was hockey but the the story is not about hockey it's really about uh, a, about a a human uh, uh path uh social thing uh one of the things that I I just forgot what I wanted to say but it, it, it'll come back to me do you have any other questions yes He was bad. He was really bad. Uh, as much as he could uh, focus on a hockey game, he could not focus in school. He, he, he would he would be absent-minded in school. It, it he, he was not very good at all. But in the third grade, he met a, a teacher, a woman, that was very good to him. <clears throat> And... Uh, He had uh, more success in his third grade than than uh, after that. Uh, this this was a difficult time for uh, for for us. I mean the family, because uh, when he went on to play as a junior, in those days now the junior players in Canada they have uh, what what they call the sport uh, study sports uh, type of program, whereby. Uh, Their their uh, uh, study program is a little bit little bit lighter, or they can accommodate the uh, the schedule of the player so that he can go to the practices and travel with the team and and so on. But in those days, this did not exist. And for me, education was very important because I've had an education, and I wanted my sons because both of them were playing hockey. Uh, I wanted I wanted both of them to have a good education, and uh, but I I met a wall. <clears throat> He was at the end of high school last year of high school, I think, uh, and just about to go to college. And uh, I went to meet uh, the responsible person. Uh, I don't know how you call that in English for for the school. And I said, "Look, uh, Patrick," and, and they were. Uh, It was it was compulsory for him to say let, let's say uh, on a scale uh, he, he would need to have twelve points to get into college and and they asked him to they no he needed eight points to go to college and they asked him to follow courses for to have twelve points okay uh, for instance uh, they forced him to to do the uh, physical education classes, which was really silly because he spent half of his time on the ice and, and uh, you know, playing hockey games. And uh, they asked him to, to other courses uh, that uh, he didn't really need. And uh, I went to see the director and asked him to, to uh, be, to understand his situation and, and and I said look he doesn't need these 12 points to go to college he only needs eight why do you uh, force him to follow 
courses for 12 points. Uh, well, he says, this is the rules of the school, you know. And I said, look, in your school, they had, I don't know how many hundreds of students they had in the school. And I asked him at that time, I said, how many students in your school know what they want to do when they grow old, when they're adults? Oh, he says, you know, none of them know. It's much too young. Well, I said, look, Patrick knows what he wants to do. We might, we might not agree with what he wants to do. We might, we might think that what he wants to do is, won't be achieved or is not achievable, but this is what he wants to do. And all he wants is for us to help him go through that. And he refused. So he, he had to quit uh, his, his last year of high school, unfortunately. It does not quite happen like that. It, it, it happens bit by bit, you know. Your kid is seven years old, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and he plays hockey with, with uh, <clears throat> other players of his age group. Uh, he performs well uh, compared to his age group. He, he's, he's in the elite group of, of players of his age, and he goes from Atom to Pee Wee to Bantam to Midget, and all of a sudden, when they get to be uh, midget players, that's uh, age uh, 15, 16, then you start seeing agents uh, of players go around them, talking to them, and, and so on. Now you start thinking, well, maybe something might happen, you know, who knows? But it's really when they get to be juniors, uh, 17, 18, that, uh, <laughs> excuse me, then it really gets serious. Uh, because, uh, they, 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 especially in Canada, the, the, the junior ranks in Canada are, uh, try to imitate the National Hockey League because they feel uh, opposite to the college players in the States because they feel like, they, uh, if they go through a hard schedule as when they are juniors and going up, they will be better prepared to play in the National Hockey League uh, later on. Uh, I think it's a bit crazy. It's, it's too much. They're, they're asking too, too much. Uh, when Patrick was a junior, he was 17 years old. He would spend 40 hours a week, uh, on the ice, either on practices or games or traveling with the, with the team and so on. So, uh, you know, he only had about 20 hours left to, to go to school and study and so on. It, it, it's, it's asking too much, I feel. But this, it was the way, it's the way it was then. You know, today it's a little easier, but it, it is, it is, uh, it is difficult. And it, it only, uh, he played junior for maybe the worst junior hockey team in Canada, the Granby Bisons. It was absolutely terrible. Sometimes he would get 70 shots a game, you know, 80 shots a game. His average was above five 
points per game. So from people looking at the statistics, they would, they would say, oh, he, that's a lousy goal, no doubt. But when you went to the game, you saw what happened. A really a lousy team. Uh, which uh, makes me say that for the first 12 years of his career uh, in minor hockey, he was on the losing side. People that have discovered Patrick, they discovered him in, in 86 when he won the, the first Stanley Cup with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, so they thought he was a winner. But I can tell you, he's been a loser uh, quite a bit, uh, many more years before he won that Stanley Cup for 12 years. And then after the uh, his uh, junior stage, uh, he had been uh, drafted by the Montreal Canadiens. The Serge Savard, who was the general manager of the Canadians, decided to send him to Sherbrooke in the American Hockey League. It was the the, the farm club of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, that year, Sherbrooke had finished four, fourth in the league. They they had an average team. There was a team in the league, the uh, the Baltimore. Uh, what was the first name? I forgot. Team from Baltimore. Anyways. Uh, that was much stronger than any other team in the league. They had finished like 25 points before the second. Uh, and they were the favorites, of course, to win the, the, uh, the Calder Cup, which was the, the emblem of the American Hockey League in those days. And uh, so they sent Patrick uh, in in Sherbrooke just to get used to the professional hockey, just to to get acquainted with the 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 team of uh, coaches and and staff and so on. And so he went there. They had two other goalies that were supposed to be the number one and two goalies for for the team. But before the end of the season, <clears throat> circumstances that are explained in detail in the book had it that he he became the number one goalie on the team. And uh, oddly enough, uh, Sherbrooke won the uh, American League Championship. They beat the, the Skipjacks, the Baltimore Skipjacks, and the fi- uh, came back to me in the finals. And uh, he was 19 at the time. And to be honest, this was the first time that we figured out, well, maybe there's something there. Maybe he can make a career out of that because having won the championship in, in the American League, uh, having signed a contract with the Montreal Canadiens, they could not the year after send him back to, uh, to Sherbrooke. You know, he, he had won it. Uh, so we felt like he could have uh, perhaps a, a, uh, a professional career. But you see, it is being built bit by bit, uh, year by year, and uh, never being sure of, of what lies ahead, never being sure of the future. And uh, all of a sudden, you, you wake up and uh, 30 years have gone by, and uh, he's won four cups, and uh, he came to Denver, <laughs> and now he's a coach, and uh, uh, he's 50 years old, and I'm, and I, and I'm a dinosaur. That, that's it. About what? Jazz part of your life? Uh, no, no. There's there isn't much to write about, really. I was a. Uh, uh, I'm not sure if I can call myself a musician now. I I've played music. Uh, in in 2000, uh, after my career as an administrator, 
I decided to uh, to please myself, and I uh, I produced two jazz albums uh, <clears throat> that were sold in in, in Quebec. And uh, I'm pretty proud of that. It's something that I wanted to do, wanted to achieve, and I did it. I took four years of my life. Uh, I did some shows, uh, 15 shows. I did the uh, the Montreal Jazz Festival for, for one thing. But uh, I've done it now. Uh, it's behind me, and I, I'm moving on to, to other things still. <laughs> yes? I'm not sure that I understand the question very well, but let me say this. Uh, he's, he is still um, inspired by the same spirit as he was as a goaltender, if, if this is what you mean, as a coach. Uh, why did he get into coaching? Well, uh, coaching was the closest thing to being a player that he could be without being a player because he was too old, okay? Uh, it was the closest thing to be close to the ice, close to the action, uh, close to the media, close to the people, um, uh, where he could make a difference. Uh, th this is a... Uh, uh, when I'm tired, uh, the words don't come easy. Uh, this is the closest thing to he he, he always had a a a mark uh, something that was very important for him was to make a difference uh from from the get go uh when he played with Montreal he wanted to make a difference as a goalie uh when he came here in in Colorado uh, in Denver he wanted to make a difference now as a coach he wants to make a difference and uh he's a very meticulous learner uh you've seen a few professional players who were mega stars try their luck at coaching uh, in hockey, in football, in baseball, uh, it didn't work because they did not have the required preparation for coaching. They thought that because they were good as players that it would be easy to coach. It doesn't work that way. Coaching is another trade. Co coaching is a trade that you lean, you, you need to, to learn. Uh, it, Thinking that you're going to be a good coach because you were a good player is lacking respect for the job of coaching. It's a very demanding uh, job today, uh, very technical, uh, and you need to work very hard at it. Before Patrick came here as a coach, uh, he spent eight years with his junior team. The uh, He didn't have to do that. He, he has all the money in the world. He doesn't need any more money. He does it because he likes it. But he spent eight years traveling on buses with a bunch of uh, 17, 18, 19-year-old kids uh, all across uh, the eastern Canada, uh, eating chicken on his lap and, 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 and sleeping in sec second-class motels. You know, he did that for eight years because he loved it. Because he felt like uh, 
it, because he, it was important for him to transfer to these kids some of his expertise, some of his experience, and, and try to make them better players and also better people. So, and, and, and he's uh, just as much, oh, this is what I wanted to say earlier. Let, this is a good time to, to, to say it. Uh, people don't realize that. When they think about Patrick Roy, they think of someone who has won four Stanley Cups, so many Vezina trophies. But I think, for me, the greatest heritage that he will leave to hockey is the improvement in, in, in the goalie style and, and performances. Performances. Uh, <clears throat> when when Patrick broke into the league in uh, 1985, 86, there was an average of about 310 goals scored by each team during a season. When he left in 2003, it, that number was down to 200 goals. It's a significant uh, difference which shows a tremendous improvement that the goalies have gone through those years. Now, why did that happen? Uh, and this is something that I discovered. I, I was uh, interviewed this afternoon on the radio, and he asked me that question, did you discover anything while writing the book, interviewing Patrick and others? Uh, I, yes, I discovered a f quite a few things, quite a number of things that I didn't know. One of the things that I discovered is Patrick's association with François Allaire. François Allaire is now the goalie coach of the Avalanche in, in, here in Denver. <coughs> Before Patrick broke into the league in 85-86, when he went to Sherbrooke, uh, he met François Allaire there. François Allaire was the goalie coach in, in Sherbrooke. Until that time, the style, I don't know if you, if you're, uh, if you're, if you know, uh, about the goalie techniques or if you're interested in them, but let me tell you just this bit. Uh, before 85-86, uh, the coaches uh, wanted their goalies to have what they call a stand-up goalie style. Okay, the goalie would stand up. If the goalie went down, it was bad. It was goalie that went down was a, a bad goalie. Okay, so most of the, the 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 goals that were scored on the goalies were either on both sides because they were standing up, uh, and, and down on the ice rather than up because up they had their shoulders and and, and arms to stop uh, the shots. Okay, so uh, Patrick was inspired by a golder a, a goalie called Daniel Bouchard. Bouchard he was with the uh, Atlanta Atlanta. Flames, that's it, yeah. And uh, after that, he came to Quebec City with the Quebec Nordiques. And uh, Patrick idolized Bouchard. And Bouchard was perhaps the only goalie in the league that had a, uh, a, a, a butterfly style. But he had not perfected it. Uh, he was just doing that because it was natural for him. You know, and whenever he got scored between this in the five hole, like they say, between the legs, people would boo him because uh, it, it, for a stand-up goalie that was a bad goal. You know, but he he very seldom got scored on on the sides. That was his, and he had a good average. He was a very good goaltender. So Patrick had that style, and uh, coaches didn't like that. And when Patrick came to Montreal at the training camp, uh, the coach then was Jacques Lemaire. 
And uh, during a practice one day, uh, Lemaire went to Patrick and said, hey, would you like a pillow? You know, just mocking him because he was going down. Would you like a pillow? You know. Uh, so Patrick didn't really know what to do. He, 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 it was natural for him to do the butterfly. Uh, but he knew that the coaches didn't like that. And because of that, uh, he, he, he was not, uh, uh, appreciated by, by, by the coaches and others. And when, when he, he, uh, he, he was a candidate to, to, to make the, the, the junior Canadian national team, he was not chosen. Uh, Craig Billington was chosen uh, at that time because Billington had a stand-up goalie style. Patrick had the butterfly, and the, the coaches didn't want that. Well, oddly enough, years later, uh, <laughs> Billington was uh, uh, Patrick's assistant uh, w with Denver here, you know. So anyways, so uh, when Patrick went to Sherbrooke, I, I talked about that earlier, he, he met... Uh, François Allaire, and he was still not sure if he should go down or not, and what will. And to his surprise, not Allaire, uh, not only did Allaire, uh, like what he did, but he in, encouraged him to go down in, in the butterfly style, which was his style, basically. And after that, uh, Patrick went to Montreal. Allaire also got to Montreal. And for, for a period of, a period of 10 years, they studied the videos of every game, trying to find a solution to every goal that was scored against Patrick. They were very meticulous and studious uh, about it. And, uh, they, because of, of, they perfected the style, the butterfly style, uh, they also, perfected the equipment because the goalie equipment that was uh, produced, manufactured, the, the pads for one thing, uh, were made for stand-up goalies. They were not made for butterfly goalies. And uh, it was all leather. And uh, when you did the butterfly in the third period, the, the pads would get all wet. They would be so heavy. It's, it was unbelievable for one thing. The other thing is that when they went down in the butterfly style, there, that would leave a hole in, in the five hole in between their legs because the pads would not cover that area very well. So Allaire and Patrick worked uh, perfecting the equipment of, of, of the goalies, uh, the mitts, uh, everything, uh, so that the equipment would fit the new butterfly style. And Allaire was not only the, the goalie coach for the Montreal Canadiens, he had goalie schools. Uh, Allaire has been coaching, uh, coaching goalies in, in Switzerland for the past 25 years, for one thing. Uh, he had a school in Montreal as well, still does have a school in Montreal. And all of a sudden, because of Patrick's popularity in Montreal, and because of that style, let me take a sip here. You know, before those who were put in the nets were those who were poor athletes that, that were poor skaters. You know, you, you would have a bunch of guys uh, playing hockey together on a lake or river or whatever. And, uh, the one that was the, the worst skater would be in the net. This all changed when, when <clears throat> Patrick beca became popular in Montreal. <clears throat> Excuse me. Got something stuck there. <clears throat> 
for the first time. Kids who wanted to be goalies were the best athletes in the group because they wanted to follow Patrick Roy. Okay? That was all new. And this is why from, I would say, the mid, mid-80s to the mid-90s, uh, the quality of the goalies in the National Hockey League improved so much. You had Martin Brader, you had all of them that you know just as well as I do. Uh, it, it really changed the art of goaltending. And this is why I say that perhaps the biggest, the most important heritage that Patrick will have left as a, a goaltender, as a hockey player, would be to, to have a, uh, changed the very art of, of goaltending. That was a very long answer to a question that I didn't get. But <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Is it hard for you to see him leave Montreal? Uh, tell the truth. <clears throat> First of all, I was in Chicago at the time. Uh, I spent two years in Chicago from 94 to 96. And uh, that evening, December 2nd, 95, I was watching the game on television. We had it in Chicago. And when I saw Patrick go and, and speak to Ronald Corey, uh, I knew something important had just happened. Uh, things were not going very well with uh, Mario Tremblay because Mario Tremblay had no experience as a coach. He had never coached a Bantam team, team before. He, he was but there, uh, all of a sudden, as the Montreal Canadiens uh, head coach, and he had no ex- experience at all. All Mario Trabli knew was the days that he had spent with Scotty Bauman. And Bauman was really a slave driver. And uh, he drove Mario Trabli very hard, too. And this is the only thing that Mario Trabli knew about coaching. Now, of course, uh, we're talking 95. Patrick had won a cup with Montreal uh, in 86. He had won uh, in, in, uh, in 93 for the, Montre- the last cup that they won, actually. And I say he because both times he was the, uh, the recipient of the, uh, the uh, Connie Smythe Trophy for uh, most uh, valuable player in the series. So he, he, he had played a very, he was very big with, with the team. If it had been possible at the time, he would have been captain of the team, that's for sure. So, and it's, it's funny because when, when Patrick broke into the league as a player, he was, uh, <clears throat> he was a rookie. And the one that uh, welcomed him and, and shared the room with him on the road was Mario Tremblay. Then Mario Tremblay was, <clears throat> Uh, an experienced player, you know, and and but then uh, in in '95 uh, when Mario Tremblay was appointed uh, the coach of the team, Patrick was the experienced player, and Mario was the rookie coach. He had no ex- ex- experience as a coach, and uh, he made mistakes. And it, it, it's funny, I, I was watching a tele. A, Montreal television program last week and for the first time in 20 years Mario Tremblay admitted that on that evening against the Detroit Red Wings he made a mistake not not pulling out Patrick after the fifth goal for the first time he admitted that his ego was that big anyways so uh, he had a big ego and, and he felt like uh, uh, his authority 
with the team uh, should not be uh, uh, hmm, was was the word that I'm looking for should not be challenged by any of the players. Okay, and this is this this was his approach, and he saw that Patrick was so big with the team that he felt that that the size that Patrick had, had was in itself a challenge to his authority. So he tried to put him in his place, and it was the wrong thing to do, really, because if if he had. The only thing that Patrick wanted it was for the team to win, and if if he had been uh, more un, un, understanding, understandable uh, with Patrick, uh, both of them would have won probably, but uh, it didn't happen that way. I forgot what the question was. What? What? what, what I'm sorry. Uh, you know, he today. And I, I talked about this uh, with him the other day uh, because, you know, it's also is the 20th anniversary of the Avalanche, but it's also the 20th anniversary of his arrival to Denver. Uh, and, and he said to me, uh, this was the best thing that really happened in my career. Uh, being a goaltender in, in, in Quebec for a French Quebecer is a very difficult job. He's under pressure all the time. And... Uh, uh, at the time, Montreal did not have uh, – it was not a powerhouse like the Avalanche was uh, here in, in Denver. All the Avalanche was missing at the time was a good goaltender. And uh, so he it was a perfect fit for, for both of them. And so he won two other Stanley Cups and, and, and uh, other cons. You know, he, was the, he, he is the only player in, in all the history of hockey. And uh, I include the – the, the greatest ones, Wayne Gretzky, Bobby Orr, Mario Lemieux, he is the only player to have won the Conny Smythe Trophy three times. Yeah, none of, none of the others did. I still am, ma'am. I'm 73 years old and I still play hockey twice a week. <laughs> I'm a bit crazy. <laughs> Oh, I never, I never was a coach. <clears throat> to answer your question directly, I played hockey in college, but then I went. I, I was many years, perhaps twenty years, without playing, and I went back to play with the old timers uh, when I was forty years old, and I haven't stopped since. Now I play with a bunch of sixty-year-old uh, teenagers, you know, <laughs> and, and we have a lot of fun. It's just a, a fun. It, it's such a fantastic game. Hockey is a, really a fantastic game to, to be played. Now, what you say, and your question is very important because this book also has to do uh, is parents can learn a lot uh, with with this book because uh, it, a lot of it has to do with the way a parent should act w w with a kid, uh, a kid that is engaged in some activity, whether it's cultural or sports or whatever you want. It's not to push him. Uh, you need to, you need to be there. You need to support, but please don't push because, uh, what comes need, needs to come from the player. 
it, it, if it, too many parents make a trans a psychological transfer on their kids, uh, maybe some of them would have wanted to be a, a, an athlete, a professional athlete. They, it, it didn't work. Now they see in their kid what they have missed, what they did not achieve. So they tend to make that psychological transfer on them and to push them really too hard to, to a point where the kid will won't be able to, to, to play anymore. It's, so there's a lot of that, uh, that, that because based on my own ex expertise, experience. Now, when you say that I was rather an observer, you're right. Uh, what I think that needs to be done with kids, young kids, uh, you need a parent needs to avoid deciding for them you know but the role of the parent is to provide the information the pros and cons of a decision and let the kid decide because it's his own life it's his own path you know and, and this is the way that i've always been with with patrick and my other kids uh, i had i have three kids uh and, and i think that this is uh, this is very important Good question. Anything else? Okay. Yes? Do you have a favorite story or anecdote that really illustrates Patrick's um, determination and drive to win? <sighs> Perhaps I do. I must I must have one, yes, but it it's it doesn't come up to my mind. I I'll have to read the book again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> Let me try to find one. Okay. Patrick is a person that does not like to the attention to be put on him. <clears throat> That's easy to say when you have such so much attention, you know. Uh, it's like someone saying uh I don't care about money, but he's a multimillionaire. You know, so you can understand he doesn't care about money. So he, Patrick doesn't like to have the attention. He doesn't like the attention to be put on him. Uh, he likes the attention to be put on the team that he's a part of. It's his, uh, his line of thought, really, and he's really like that. So when I told him that I wanted to write his biography, he told me, no, I don't want that. And uh, I said, "Why? Why not?" Why well, he says, "Nobody's interested in that," you know. But I played hockey, and that's it, you know. When I said, "Look, Patrick, uh, you've you've uh, you have received an awful lot from hockey. Uh, money is one thing, but uh, also the notoriety, the the the, the popularity, the, the trophies, the, the 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 recognition that you received. You have received an awful lot from. You've been a very lucky person. Uh, and, and by saying that he was a lucky person, I meant, for me, what I call a lucky person." is someone that can change the life of a kid just by signing an autograph on, on, a, on a piece of paper, you know. Uh, this is a lucky person that, that has the power to do that. And it, it's, a, it's a huge responsibility. But at the same time, very few people have that. Well, Patrick has that. And I said, look, I think that you're 
your story can be an inspiration for many kids. Uh, and uh, it is really a, a, a responsibility uh, for us to to publish this story, to let it be known, because it can help, really help people. So uh, on that basis, he accepted, but relentlessly, he accepted. Uh, at first, it was difficult, but I had a few sessions with him. He probably didn't think that I could be able to go through that. You know, it's 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 a it's a piece of work, you know, <laughs> to go through. And uh, so, but what I did is that I would I would send him uh, every chapter as soon as it was written, chapter by chapter. I, I had. Maybe I don't know how many uh, sessions, interviews with him, with a tape recorder, to ask him questions, and he would answer and so on. And he sort of got uh, into it after a while. And uh, I think that by the end, when when the book was first published, I think he was very happy with the results, uh, very happy with that, because uh, not only was it useful to some people, to some parents, but also uh, it set the record straight uh, about him on, on many things at the same time. And he admitted to me, uh, he has changed over the years, uh, uh, especially these past few years. When I said earlier, uh, gentleman's gone, but uh, when I said that he had uh, to be treated for his for anxiety when he left the game, the 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 treatments that he has received, psychological treatments that he received, help him in many other ways, <clears throat> in in his way of thinking and. Uh, He's 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 grown wiser, uh, quieter, <clears throat> and uh, he told me the other day that the only reason left why he was not so comfortable with the book is he felt like uh, uh, he was too young to have a biography uh, at his name. You know, well, I said, look, uh, maybe. But uh, this is the bio biography of the goaltender, and uh, and the goaltender no longer exists. He, he's dead. You know? So so that's it. Uh, maybe someday uh, he'll do. He will go on to do other things. They might win uh, another Stanley Cup as a coach with the Avalanche. Who knows? You know, it's touch wood. Uh, and maybe somebody else will write the rest of the story. But it it will not be me. That's I can guarantee you that. I, I I've done what I had to do. No, I only I only know I, I I only traveled once with the team it, it, when and and due to the uh, <clears throat> generosity of, of Pierre Lacroix who was the president of the team, it's when uh, Patrick was on the verge of of, of uh, beating the Terry Sawchuk's record for most wins in a se regular season. Um, I wanted to be there, and I said to Patrick, I want to attend. The game when you will, because when I was a kid, Terry Sawchuk was my idol as a goaltender, you know, that's in, in the late forties, early fifties. And, uh, now my son was on the verge of uh, beating his record and I wanted to be there. And, uh, Pierre Lacroix was nice enough to, uh, uh, just one game before he would equalize the record. Uh, I traveled with the team. They, they, they had a chartered flight, 
their private flight of the avalanche and the nuggets and i traveled with the team we went to i believe it was columbus uh, the first game uh, the second game was in in washington and i was treated just like a player i had my room at the hotel and i traveled with them and, and so on and uh, then he, he he uh he beat the record in, in washington and that was it the only time do i watch many games no I'd rather play than watch when it comes to hockey, you know, uh, still. Uh, maybe I should not, but uh, I, I've seen so many hockey games in my life. I think they're too long, you know, uh, too long. I, I, even when, when, when the Avalanche is playing, uh, I will watch uh, five or six minutes of the first period uh, just to see what the score is, uh, second period, maybe the last uh, 10 minutes of the third period, but too long for me i'm too old <laughs> would you like me to sign uh, your books or well thank you that's all for tonight's author on tour i'm darren foden we have been podcasting live from the tattered cover bookstore in denver colorado stay pod tuned in the coming weeks as we podcast authors on tour